you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a solution for low B1. Zobria. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells to stop functioning properly, resulting in numbness, tingling, burning, and pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to improve the functioning of these nerve cells. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to zobria.com. That's zobria.com and get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, a podcast that I'm very much looking forward to doing because today we're going to talk about something called LDN, low-dose naltrexone. Our guest today, Dr. Pam Smith, is an MD. She also holds a master's in public health degree and a master's degree in metabolic and nutritional medicine. And uh, she is a force of nature because uh, she's involved uh, as the founder of of the Fellowship in Aging, Regenerative, and Functional Medicine uh, at, um, uh, and she's currently the director of the Center for Personalized Medicine. Uh, she uh, is the author of many best-selling books, uh, too many to enumerate, uh, but she has a, a recent book, which is entitled Max Your Immunity. Uh, in addition, she's an LDN specialist, a low-dose naltrexone specialist with the LDN Research Trust, and we'll tell you more about uh, them because uh, they're a repository of information about this remarkable therapy. Uh, so welcome, Dr. Smith. It's nice having you back on. Uh, we, I think we spoke to you several years ago, and uh, LDN was uh, promising, and uh, the research has continued to validate its benefits. So uh, we're looking forward to an update on what's happening. Uh, first of all, for oh, our listening, yes, for our listening audience, uh, first of all, what is it? Can you give us a little background on LDN? Well, that's a great question. First of all, naltrexone itself is what we use for drug overdose. LDN, otherwise known as low dose. Naltrexone is really smaller doses, significantly smaller. And the research has shown that it affects things very differently when you use baby doses. It actually enhances the immune system. It improves the inflammatory response. So in other words, it's anti-inflammatory. It heals corneal ulcers. We use it for autoimmune diseases because it decreases the inflammatory response. It downregulates something called TH17. We use it a great deal for cancer, weight loss. Uh, it has a lot of different functions because of its anti-inflammatory component. And just for our listening audience, some may be familiar with naltrexone uh, as a treatment that kind of wakes up people who overdose. Uh, now, uh, first responders in New York City, they all carry uh, a little 
uh, injection, uh, which they can administer to people who are maybe uh, passed out on the sidewalk, uh, who've overdosed. That's an all too familiar scene in urban environments these days. And uh, they inject it and it wakes people up. So, so how can a drug that is used to uh, treat drug overdoses uh, somehow find its way into the armamentarium of uh, innovative doctors like yourself? Well, that's a great question. In high doses, it's actually an opioid receptor antagonist, meaning that you do give it for drug overdose. For the scientists out there, it inhibits TB and NK function. For low doses, it's actually an opioid receptor agonist, meaning that it helps in baby doses. And the biggest way is that it does stimulate the TB and NK function in an anti-inflammatory manner. So it actually has the reverse function when you use a small dose. We now use even micro doses of low-dose naltrexone. And so... uh the normal dose for an overdose is what, and what is low-dose naltrexone? Well, instead of 150 milligrams, we're looking at anywhere from a common dose is 4.5 milligrams. Microdoses may be as small as 0.1 milligrams, but it is something that when it started, it is ramped up. So let me give you an example of the most common dose. It is compounded, so it is made by a compounding pharmacy. So you can't get it at your uh, Dwayne Reed, or you can't get it at your, uh, I mean, if you ask for it at, uh, you know, your corner drugstore, commercial drugstore, you know, chain, uh, it's not likely they'll know what you're talking about. Uh, Probably not, unfortunately, because it has such marvelous benefits, uh, including COVID, which I'm sure we'll be talking about, but it really is great from the viewpoint that you start with a baby dose. So the most common dose is 1.5 milligrams an hour before bedtime for one week. The second week, the patient takes two, which is three milligrams. The third week, they take three of the 1.5 milligrams so that they're on 4.5 milligrams. And many people stay on it lifelong at 4.5 milligrams. However, it is compounded. So the per- perfect dose can be made for the patient. There are potential short-term side effects, and they're usually dose-dependent. So insomnia is the most common side effect. 30% of people get insomnia the first night, but then it goes down to mm-hmm. 1%. That, that's what I tell my patients is they usually acclimate to it, you know, and, that, and that's what you described is precisely the way I prescribe it is we start low and we tell patients to ramp up gradually uh, until their body uh, adjusts to it. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, the endogenous opiate system, the signaling system, and it has something to do with things called encephalins. Uh, it's kind of intriguing how it, it kind of adjusts and tonifies that system. It does codify that system, and it is fascinating because it blocks, it increases the endogenous encephalins and endorphins, but at the same time, it inhibits the pro-inflammatory cytokines. At the same time, there's an interaction of the nuclear opioid growth factor receptor, which promotes DNA synthesis, 
there's a blockade of opioid R in the GI tract that actually heals the gut, and there's regulation of Treg and production of interleukin-10. What does that all mean if you're not a scientist? Mm -hmm. It means that fortunately, it builds the immune system anti-inflammatory and works great for pain control. Wow. Uh, so it, it's kind of paradoxical because uh, it, generally we think that you need high-dose opiates. You know, people take uh, Percocet and fentanyl and things like that to, to dull pain. Uh, and this is so much lower. It's almost like a kind of a homeopathic dose. Uh, that How could that impact pain? Well, a lot of it has to do with how it works on the pain receptors. And the other half of it is how it works as an anti-inflammatory. So if you look at really the opioids effects on, let's look at the immune system, that's what everybody's talking about nowadays, you know, uh, because of COVID. Actually, the hematopoietic stem cells break down into progenitor cells and myeloid cells. And it has an effect on all of those. It goes all the way down to the eosinophils, which are the allergic more component, neutrophils, macrophages. It affects everything all the way down to TH17, TH2, TH2, and TH1. So it differentiates the pathways that are sensitive to opioids, all of them along the pathway, the T cells, the B cells. So in other words, it really does affect the immune system itself. Well, I think part of the resistance to LDN among conventional doctors is it, it seems panacea-like. It's been touted for such a wide variety of conditions, for, for cancer, for fibromyalgia, for pain syndromes, as you mentioned. Uh, I have here in front of me uh, a news release about how the FDA has just granted orphan drug status to, uh, a, I guess, a biotech company for low-dose naltrexone to treat something that I, I generally don't want to treat. It's, it's one of the most refractory types of pain problems that you ever encounter. It's, uh, it's CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. It's really hard to treat those patients. They have the most uh, agonizing pain, uh, and nothing seems to alleviate it, and yet they're, they're utilizing LDN for that. They are. Uh, it's actually, I hope, to be quite effective for its pain control in that syndrome. We'll see. There's other things that affect that syndrome as well. Uh, so there is a mitochondrial dysfunction related to that, meaning the engines in the body. They don't work as well, and that also has to be dealt with also. Right. So in other words, it's not a standalone treatment. I, I virtually never uh, treat a patient with just LDN alone. I treat it as part of a, a combination of therapies to uh, support the patient's recovery. And in the case of inflammation, anti-inflammatories, in the case of uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, like chronic fatigue syndrome or post-COVID, you know, which uh, is, is a really challenging problem. So since uh, we talked last time, uh, we did talk about some of the applications for pain. I think we even talked a little bit about cancer. But uh, the elephant in the room these days is COVID. 
And while we're not touting uh, LDN as a, as a miracle treatment for COVID, there's a lot of people suffering from the aftermath of COVID. They're debilitated, they're exhausted, they have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue-like symptoms. Where does uh, LDN come in, and, and have doctors had experience with this now? They do, and I do. So when you look at the pathophysiology of long-haul COVID or post-COVID syndrome, the current studies are showing that 80% of people have some long-term residual. So some people have tissue damage to the heart. They can have chest pain, palpitations, tachycardia. They can have troubles with orthostatic intolerance, meaning their balance is not necessarily good. They can have pulmonary manifestations where they have a cough, etc. That's what I got. They have long-term tissue damage where neurologically they can, their brain is not rapid fire anymore. They may have headaches, depression, anxiety, insomnia. They lose their taste and smell fatigue. But the other side of long haul is beside the long-term tissue damage, they have unresolved inflammation. And those people have viral persistence, meaning that the virus stays in the body. They are affected by chronic inflammation, which gives them fatigue, joint pain, and muscle pain. They also tend to have what we call gut dysbiosis, where in the gut it doesn't work as it should. It's not just diarrhea, for example, or nausea. Because of the gut-brain connection, there can be neurological symptoms as well. Mm-hmm. And gut dysbiosis is when there's too much bad bacteria, not enough good. But most people, myself included, that do a lot of work in this field, believe that people that have post-COVID-19 syndrome or long haul, it is an autoimmune response. Mm-hmm. And so there is fatigue and joint pain and headache and those kind of symptoms related to it, which is being discussed a great deal in the medical literature in 2021. It seems like they have an abnormal persistence of the cytokines, which are the natural substances designed to fight infection, uh, even after the virus has subsided. And so LDN does something to tune down, turn down the volume on these uh, cytokines to enable recovery? It does, along with other things. As you said, it's not just a panacea. Uh, most of these people do have a gut issue. Most people with long haul do have a problem with the stress hormone cortisol. So we do salivary tests to evaluate that. Many of these people can have thyroid dysfunction. Thyroid regulates everything in the body. A lot of these people do also have a high ferritin, particularly people who have clotting. And ferritin is the iron level. And that sets up an inflammatory response. Um, there's a lot of different ways to treat this. So we do look at melatonin, vitamin D, absolutely low-dose naltrexone, iodine nasal spray, zinc, quercetin to settle down the mast cell response, which is the allergy, B vitamins, glutathione. And as you mentioned, like fibromyalgia, it is a mitochondrial illness. So the mitochondria are the engines in the body, and so we have to go back and fix those. The good news is the science is here to actually do all of these things to help with COVID long haul. 
So in, in the past few years uh, since I've spoken to you, uh, have there been more studies? Because the, the initial study on LDN, because there was a lot of anecdotal stuff. It was some of doctors like you and I were treating patients with LDN, but there wasn't that much in the scientific literature. There was, I think, uh, a pilot study on Crohn's disease, and that got my got my interest because I treat a lot of patients with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Uh, since then, have there been uh, a lot of studies? Because, you know, sometimes when something gets uh, to be exciting, uh, then it becomes a flash in the pan. You don't hear much in terms of scientific research. Has there been progress? There has in low-dose naltrexone in many things. Uh, you mentioned Crohn's and autoimmune disease. There has there have been studies and there are studies on low-dose naltrexone in autoimmune diseases. There are is great research in the area of inflammation and cancer. Cancer is an inflammatory uh, disease process. So we know that markers like TNF-alpha go up. There actually, there's great research that started back, oh my gosh, almost 20 years ago on inflammation and cancer. And then as that came forward, they started looking at low-dose naltrexone and its use in cancer. So all my cancer patients, I put on LDN. Uh, in fact, one of my friends who's an oncologist, he actually takes one milligram of LDN prophylactically mm -hmm. that he hopes that it will help prevent cancer. Mm -hmm. But yes, there is there are numerous reports. Um, International Journal of Oncology 2016, uh, the data supports the use of LDN in anti-cancer activity. Great study in 2018 looking at LDN as an immune modulator, meaning that it balances the immune system, not only for autoimmune diseases, but malignant tumors. Um, great study in 2013, uh, pre-trial study looking at LDN. There's at least 20 studies now in LDN and just cancer. Uh, we look at LDN for weight loss. Uh, how could it, how could it be beneficial for weight loss? Uh, it settles it, down the inflammatory response. Okay. Does it have anything to do with, you know, does it curb uh you know, craving or appetite via some sort of neurological effect, you know, working on the endorphin system? That's a great question. People have postulated that one. No one has proven mm -hmm. that one yet. Okay. Uh, but certainly selling the inflammatory response is helpful when you have a weight sure. issue. Yeah, because that's a real barrier to weight loss. If you're inflamed, uh, certainly it's harder to shed the pounds. Uh, I, I read recently that uh, there's some literature on LDN. I, I think it's from an Irish uh, OBGYN who likes to use LDN for his infertility patients. Absolutely. Where I start with infertility is take the patient off of gluten. Studies done in Europe particularly in England, have shown that in some trials, 50% of people get pregnant when they just stop gluten. Mm -hmm. wow. And you know, an, an autoimmune response. So for every autoimmune disease in the world, fix the gut, take the patient off of gluten, start low-dose naltrexone. So do we use it for infertility? Absolutely, positively. But don't try this at home. Bagels will not be an effective oral contraceptive, so don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 
somewhat, but not all the way. Okay, so uh, this is a good point at which to pause because we divide our podcast into into two parts. In part two, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other applications of uh, LDN and talk about uh, some practical issues. If you're taking uh, other medications, do the medications uh, interfere or uh, minimize the effects of LDN? Because some people with autoimmune conditions are taking medications. And is LDN uh, beneficial or is there a washout effect? Uh, our guest is uh, Dr. Pam Smith. Uh, she's an expert on LDN. She's with the LDN Research Trust. Uh, LDNResearchTrust.org is a place where you can learn more about uh, LDN. And we'll be back in just a moment with more of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Ronald Hopp. 